Uh, Jez, I'll tell you what, this lockdown has all given us proper trobs. Luckily, we've all got the failed Rockstar Club. Plural there, nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice oh, there might be some popping up. Um, oh, yeah, like splinter groups. Yeah, like Fight Club. Yeah, kind of. Exactly like Fight Club. Failed podcast club. We could do yeah. one of them eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another ten years. Yeah. Get another t-shirt printed. Sure. But what what would the rules be of uh, failed rockstar club? Uh, you are allowed to talk about it, right? Well, if yeah, you're encouraged I mean, to you, talk you, about well, it. Well, you're podcasting, so. If By its very talking, nature. Yeah. If you're not talking about it, then you're doing something wrong with your podcasting. Okay, so you should talk about being in the Fell Rocks Up Club. That's the first rule. Yeah. Any other rules? No hitting. On your first Fell Rocks Up Club, you've got to try something. Okay, yeah, yeah, true. Yep. What are the other rules of Fight Club? I haven't seen that in a while. Don't talk about it, innit? Wasn't that it? Uh, no, no, you have to fight on your first night. Oh, yeah. And then I think the, the rest were just, you must... You don't talk about Fight Club. Okay. Uh, so, everyone, hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Failed Rockstar Club. Uh, this is the podcast that talks to musicians about mental health, life in music, and fashion. Um, so, welcome all. And, Jez, let's just say where we are and who we are. Usual. So, here we are. I'm Jez. Hello, human being, father of two. Uh, that's Stephen Bobby Hurdle, BA Honours, the other voice, the slightly camper one. Yeah. Uh, and we are here in Manning Tree, in the warehouse of Best Days Vintage, the epicentre, if you will, the hub, the safe place. Uh, we're still very much trading online until we can't anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yep, yeah, you can find us on all the socials, Best Days Vintage, and you can call us if you've got the phone number. Yes. To hand. Yeah. I never know which way around it is. So... You can call us on 07931-271017. And didn't we get a lovely message from somebody on that? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yesterday. Uh, oh, I left the phone, but off. Um, Ed Pattle messaging... Friend of the show, Ed Pattle. Yeah, um, to say that he's tre- tremendously enjoying all the, um, all the, sh- the stuff, and I can't remember exactly, but he said that I was a great man, <laughs> very interesting, and dragging you through the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It was along those lines, anyway. Uh, so we, yeah, we it's week two in the warehouse, and like I mean, I listened to it last week, and it sounds a lot more echoey than it does in the shop. Surprisingly, because we're in a big bloody warehouse. Bit of reverb. Yeah, but I quite liked it. It was all right. Um, so um, we haven't got any merch out today, but um, last week we had lots of merch, and that's actually been doing really well, hasn't it? People, people seem to have connected with it as a as a concept, mm-hmm. and it's been really heartening to to sort of see the support that we've had. Uh, friend, and not just friends of ours but you know people strangers who have then seen it on somebody else and then brought it off the back of that it's really helped out so keep up the good work people of the world yeah bestdaysvintage.co.uk and you can click on the Failed Rockstar Club and you've got we've got a selection of tees sweats um, 
baseball ones, haven't we, as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, different prints. There's like three or four different prints going at the moment. So they're kind of, yeah, they've been, yeah, we're really happy with them, aren't we? Happy what's happening. Yes. And glad that people are actually buying stuff off the, from the website and from the podcast, I think, as well. Um, uh, where are we? Some of the weeks. So um, we do this every week. So we kind of look at a song that's best described your week so far, Jess. So hit me with it. Mm. I've chosen a song called Alcohol, which is, well, there's quite a few songs that reference alcohol, but I've gone for a, again, friend of the show, Sam Eagle, has a song called Alcohol mm-hmm. on his uh, Coping Mechanisms mini album that came out last year. And I choose that because that seems to have been my comfort <laughs> coping mechanism for this whole thing. For lockdown? Uh, for lockdown, yeah. I'm just drinking more and more. Uh, and it's starting earlier in the day. I'm not trying to glamorise it. I'm not sort of saying this is a positive about it. It's not. I'm going to end this lockdown as a fat alcoholic. The kids are awake, are you? And you're pissed? Uh, it's getting that way. <laughs> it was, I was starting as soon as they'd gone to bed and now it's creeped in, crept into sort of... The afternoon it, 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 12 not that early yet but it's going that way like 3, 4 that kind of time mm-hmm. pre-dinner then some with dinner because it's some what, after dinner. outside in the sun or? Uh, well that's that's been an extra f- factor but you know, even before that it's just I don't know it's just become part of the routine of the day it's amazing and do you think it's amazing how quickly your routine can change yeah like how adaptable humans are well I was going to say that it's now this is the new normal like the first week it was like whoa this is so weird everything's like a bad dream and now this is you know if you'd said to me like even like a, a three weeks a month ago that all this stuff was going to happen that the Prime Minister's going to be in intensive care with coronavirus I'd be like what this is like some kind of disaster movie but now nothing is surprising me well, mostly because I'm pissed <laughs> yeah that kind of surprised me actually yesterday that was kind of yeah that, I mean that, that one was a little bit kind of cut through all the sort of Alcoholic haze, hmm. but yeah, I've I've hit I've got a, there's a new normal. The routine is now is totally different. Hmm. You and human beings are very adaptable like that. We we can easily adapt to a new routine, you know, given a little bit of time. I haven't been sleeping very well. Do you, as a result of, like, are you so. worrying I or are you just think I? I try not to. I try to be kind of stoic, plodding on stoically as of my course. as is my way. That very much your way. But I definitely think it must be. Um, at some level stressing me out because I'm not yeah I'm not sleeping I think because you watch the news before bed and it's pretty it's always like quite scary it's when you yes when that's you, a bad idea to watch when the you news hear that the NHS people talking about kind of life in the front line that's what yeah. shits me up yeah when they, when they say look trust me I'm seeing it yeah. you need to stay at home yeah that they're, yeah they're, they're the people who are seeing it and they deserve that they deserve so much more than a round of applause every week but it is not that that part of it is quite heartening when you hear the everyone you know those those moments where everyone feels feels like they're in it together there's an actual kind of oh those applauses yeah there's an audible sense of togetherness whereas due, through the week and we're noticing increasingly there's that kind of tribal certainly on social media as far as I can tell the people that are like stay indoors at all costs you selfish bastards and then there's the people who are like you know just use common sense you can go out it's fine just you know it's got very tribal mm-hmm don't yeah, you think? Uh, totally. Uh, that's actually basically my song of the week. Uh, I must have known that on some level. Yeah. Well, maybe you just read it over my shoulder uh, from two <laughs> metres. This is one of the things for the people watching on Facebook Live. The reason that we're kind of half out of shot and is a because we're trying to keep our distance and we haven't worked out how to get it 
um, landscape. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a number of reasons. Also, there's a palpable sexual tension between us, which... Yeah, it's been there for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And actually, we get I, talk too close. In, I talk a little bit about the sexual tension in this episode. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, my song of the week is Transmission by Joy Division. Mm-hmm. It's the division bit that I was um, specifically... Oh, not the joy. <laughs> Definitely not the joy. It's not like you define the, the joy. Of, well, of all the songs, I suppose, transmission. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like you've basically been flirting with, um, one of the things it feels like to me is that this coronavirus has basically become the new Brexit. It's very... Everyone's made their line in the sands already, and it feels a little. This is very generalisation. I suppose like Brexit though, because you have different people. But for me, it feels very much like the same sort of people that were pro EU and anti EU seem to have basically made their kind of divide again about something else. I don't know how you feel about that. Because if and ironically, it feels like all the people that were quite pro EU are now basically very supportive of the government and the lockdown side <laughs> of things. Looking at my Twitter, like Twitter, the people were like very kind of stay indoors types. And I've been hearing, I listen to radio quite a lot, and I hear a lot of kind of gruff old people who are getting quite angry. They, about like, your right to sunbathe in the park. Yeah, and ah, oh, policeman come up to me and he had a go at me, and I told him what was what, and I. Sh- and I know it's quite general, but it feels almost like they were that sort of character was very very anti, Brexity, very Brexity. Yeah, <laughs> they also the same people who compared it to the Blitz. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, maybe I just too general. I know it's too general, but as a rule of thumb, I just seem to have kind of got that feeling. Like a lot of people on Twitter, you see, are kind of very much like, "Oh, bollocks! Oh, do what I want." Also, <laughs> got like the British flag in there, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, well, oh, I know the type. <laughs> and all the the kind of lefty types seem to have been very pro not even leaving the house at all kind of yeah like a lot more well, and like younger people you see a lot on Twitter don't you and like, yeah well and you hit on the head what Twitter has become is that there is absolutely no nuance on there it is it is a place it's become very very tribal and you're one like you say you've put your line in the sand you're one side or the other you're you're That's Brexit it. or you're anti-Brexit you're <laughs> It's staying you're in staying or, 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 it's or you're, it's my right to go out and sunbathe with my friends who I want and I don't want to paint it as simplistically as goodies and baddies but <laughs> I, <laughs> do, you, do you think that do you agree with that or do you think that I'm just oh no 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 there's definitely an element of that definitely you see it and it, it, you're right it's, you can see a lot of the same people who are who were very much you know the James O'Brien yeah anti-Brexit types who were very much you know stay indoors you idiots and of course you know I'm I would obviously sway more to that side, uh, but there has to be a degree of kind of common sense thrown in there. You know what I mean? You, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going out for a with the kids and taking them to the woods near my house pretty much every day. Like we're avoiding, you know, if we if we do come across a dog walker or whatever, we we kind of go into the trees and stay as far away from people as we can. And I think there has to be a degree of what what is best for you because your mental health has to come into things as well I've seen that argument that like what if everybody literally stays indoors and this may be coming and but and then their mental health goes to shit and then the NHS is under pressure from people who have gone yeah for want of a better word mental <laughs> you're not meant to say that I shouldn't no, say that but no. you know what I mean yeah it's I know it's, it's, it's very simplistic and it, but it's just basically the thought that, that what I've been kind of taking 
on board from it. Like listening, I listen to a lot of the radio podcasts and just I, I can't. I've got to get off Twitter. I swear to God, it's like doing yeah. my head in. It's like, not. It's, it's, it's well, the new. It's the new Brexit. It's just speaking of your mental health. That like leading up to the, the election. Yeah. And you know, Brexit was obviously all tied into that. The Tories' whole thing was get Brexit done. It, it did almost drive me crazy. And there's the new slogan now. Like they 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 were using the same tricks, I think, for that as they are with this. Get lockdown done. Well, it's was it stay home, save lives, protect the NHS. That kind of slogan that there's like, like yeah. pushing hard and pushing hard, which is the right thing to do. It's just yeah, well, using, yeah, using those case. same sort of ideas like to kind of get to the nation just because it's all about repeated phrases that people can cling on to and you can't say it too much mm-hmm. but you know, all the time you hear them talking don't you and the amount of times like push those push it and push it and push it it's like the marketing textbooks yeah but I, I would say sustainable I, vintage <laughs> good for it, positive well-being hypocrite <laughs> warning uh, yeah I, I would say come off Twitter for the for well, the, forever for the well we kind of have to be on it for work don't we mm. This is my problem because I, I think I would be a lot happier as a person if I didn't touch social media. But yeah, I, I think most so people would. Much for work that I can't not go on it. Matt was saying, uh, your brother, our work colleague, he was saying he's he's given up the the scrolling of it's the the sort of thoughtless scrolling through Instagram for no apparent reason. He's mm. given it up. You feel better for it, don't you, Matt? Uh, I'm still doing it on my personal one. Oh, okay. But I've given up using the work one because it's with most of the people I don't know who they are. And well, yeah, what's the. If you don't know, so, yeah, what's the point? And I don't follow many people, so. In a way. Yeah, I have. And yeah, I do. Yeah. Because I find that with work, I find that with, with the work, because you want it so much, you're posting so much and you're replying to questions so much on the work one, it becomes almost part of the routine of going on and checking it. You're checking the kind of like comments or DMs. Yeah, well, you, you have to it check it to, it to in case you've got something going to... going on to the scroll up. You can't help but well, exactly, scroll yeah. through. Yeah, you start by going on there to see if anyone's responded and to reply to messages, yeah. but then you stay for the the meaningless scrolling past posts of... I don't want to be too judgy, but so much of it doesn't need to, <laughs> doesn't well, need to exist, but... It's what people want to put on there, isn't it? It's yeah. Like it's their way of kind of like communicating themselves to the world. Yes. Oh no, and I I do it. So I, I think I'm it's, more, it's more probably probably think it's more a problem that we have rather than a problem that other people have. It's more about us, would you say? Because it's more like us getting the ump on. Oh, it's our yeah. It's us. We have the problem. It's not the problem with the social media. Mm. Quite possibly. I well, think we talk about it a lot, don't we? Not just on podcasts and interviews. No. We talk about a lot of interviews with mental health and positive. Uh, it's it's a really big issue for me because. I see it so much with with the the young people who come into our shop, especially. Mm-hmm. I see through their tweets and through their Instagram posts that how much it is affecting them. It's that it's that kind of idea of I keep going back to that idea of comparing your life to somebody else's, which is so unhealthy, yeah. but is also so hard to stop yourself from doing. You scroll through, you see these pictures of people on these amazing holidays or with these amazing new haircuts or these amazing new clothes, and you you. You reflect that onto you and or how you don't have those things. Because everyone, we've, again, we've, I don't know if we've been on this on the podcast. I, forget I don't think we have. On the podcast, but everyone's a brand. That's my kind of opinion. Everyone has got a way they want to present themselves. Yes, so they're like projecting a version of themselves. Yes, which so is yeah, your social media is very kid heavy and like family walks. Yep. And there's a reason, you know, because that you're a family man. 
That's true. But um, yeah, why do I feel the need to <laughs> tell show people that I'm a funny man? They're, yeah, Be- because I'm yeah because I'm sucked into that cycle of you know getting you know people lo- like it in my head or oh, people like it. They how many likes did I get? And then yeah, then you try and. You do that again, you get a good feeling from it. You get old oh, people like it's me. It's always nice when Roddy Wumble likes you. Yeah, exactly. One of my young heroes, Roddy Wumble, leaves the odd uh, message. So there you go, and that's it. And so I'm hoping all, oh, maybe he'll, maybe he'll like this one. Mm. And then you're sucked into it. And then so you got you're thinking, right? Well, what you know? Next time I go out, I've got to take another picture. And then you're sucked into the cycle, and it, it's very hard to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm very that's much still me. in it. That's just you. I mean, I, it's only because I just thought of that, but it's like... No, 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 no I, yeah. Like everyone has their own kind of way they want to present themselves. So, like you, so, so some people want to be like a party person and they're like, fun times. Other people, they'll do the sexy thing. Other people do the book thing. Like, like this. Our friend Louise, yeah. But yeah, it's just different ways of presenting yourself as a person. It's like... Yep. And, you know, you put it on there because that's how you want people to see you. Yeah. And it's yeah, that's that's I'm showing it people the, brand. the best bits. Those are the best bits. Yeah, <laughs> you can believe, yeah. No, imagine the worst bits. Mm. Yeah, it's very rare. I mean, you get the odd account that where people do show warts and all, and you know, mm-hmm. I think people really respect that. But well, we, we, we think about our like the best days vintage Instagram feed. Um, we try to present ourselves in a certain way as well, don't we? Light-hearted, mental health, seriousness. When it comes to those sort of things, but also community. Yeah, I um, hope we. It's, and that's a difficult balance to get, really, because we want it to be entertaining and sort of fu- mm-hmm. funny to mm-hmm. you. But at the same times we are, you know, same time we are trying to kind of get a serious message across about positivity and positive mental health. So it, it can be sometimes you ha- you're like, is this? Have we got the balance right there? You do have to question it sometimes. Yeah, it, it's diff- It's it's, it's not difficult because you have a you have a mission and then you stick to that, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. it's like you know what what you're trying to do, and you just think you just ask yourself, is that going to be part of what is that on message? Um, but I can't remember what I was going to say about our own, our own Instagram. But I had a really interesting point. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Stand by. He might remember it later in yeah. the podcast. He usually does. He usually comes yeah. back to. Him. At a totally irrelevant time. So, uh, oh, can I can I just do my recommendation? Of oh the yeah, week? of course. Yeah, so this is recommendation of the week. Uh, you know, Thundercat. The TV show. No, not the TV show. The artist, no. music artist. Well, no. he's got a new album out, and it's great. Okay, what's it uh, called? It's called. Oh, I've forgotten it now. It is what it is. It's called. Came out this week, I think. Uh, I've, I've listened to it a couple of times. It's just, it's, it's got a little bit of a Tame Impala vibe, but a bit of Prince on there. He collaborates with loads of really good people, Charles Gambino, mm-hmm. people like that. He's worked with Kendrick Lamar in the past. It's just, it's just really good. And he, he's an amazing, like, virtuoso bass player, but, and I wouldn't normally like that. Not slap. Not slap bass. He might throw in a bit of slap. I wouldn't normally like that, but he doesn't kind of, you know, sometimes when Flea does it, it kind of, that's all I can hear. Yep. It doesn't distract me. Yeah. Like Tom Beck, he used to do a lot of that bit of that. Yes, didn't he? yes. That's quite Tom Beck's cool. bass. Uh, but yes, it is what it is. Thundercat, that's my recommendation of the week. There's a song called Dragon Ball Do Rag, which is yeah. particularly good. Okay, um, I want to 
So, well, this episode, I've kind of got a bit distracted, really, but this episode is called... I wanted to call it Lads on Tour. That's probably a bit sexist. But, yeah, just the on tour episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in this one, we were, we're basically part of the podcast. Because we're not really interviewing people at the moment, we can't, so... We have to draw on our own experiences. Yeah, and I wanted to break down life in a band. So, for example, like, what it was like to be on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, for us personally and I'm sure again we went through lots of experiences that people go through generally you know Um, on a budget as well Mm -hmm. which is certainly very much what it was but there's other ones we'll do in the future like you know what life is like in a rehearsal room backstage etc 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 but this one is called the on tour episode breaking down yeah on what life is like and how you cope with that so I want to ask you Jez Mm. Jeremy Dixon Jeremy Peter Dixon that's right. How long ago was it that we were touring regularly? Can you remember? Ooh. Well, the first proper like tour would have been 2003. Mm-hmm. Like, well, so we were away for like three months at a time. Mm-hmm. And then we were still doing it late. If you think our album, it was actually the anniversary of our album. Did I tell you that? Mm-hmm. Did you see that? I saw you mention it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our album came out exactly 10 years ago, like last, last week. week, I think it was. So I imagine we'd stopped touring just before that came out, so maybe 12 years ago mm-hmm. we stopped touring. So we were we? in our 20s, weren't we? Weren't mm-hmm. we? It was essentially spanned our 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, uh, you mentioned it, so the longest we were on tour was probably about three-ish months, wasn't it? Three mm-hmm. months at a time? Yeah. But we also had shorter ones where we'd do like a week. A week of fortnight. Yeah. Fortnights, I guess, would be about right, wouldn't it? Really? So between a fortnight and a month, um, three months. Yeah. Um, and anything in between that. Um, and we'd often go on tour to promote the singles we'd had, and then mm-hmm. sometimes we would just—I don't even know why we were going on tour, just to go just to boost our profile. I imagine, <laughs> yeah, because it was kind of the days before social media, wasn't it? So to get, yes. so you had to do a lot more of that sort of work. Well, MySpace was around, mm-hmm. and website, and we were—yeah, we did have a website, and we, my, my, we were on MySpace. And we didn't really understand it, and I don't think we used it to its full. No, we were quite luddite in that. Since our old guitarist, he was very much the the tech, the tech guy, guy, and we probably relied on him too much. But we, yeah, but Sounds yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the same uh, as it is now. Like where, where you, if we were a band now, we'd be absolutely hammering the social media, and mm. you know, you see, obviously, bands around now do. But we, yeah, there wasn't an option. We were like, we would hand out flyers, wouldn't we? I remember my really good point now. Have you remembered it? Is it relevant to anything we're talking about it's now? social media, but don't worry, I'll move on. Okay. Um, so next week. Yeah. We would, our, our technique was flyers, wasn't it? Handing out yeah. CDs mm-hmm. attached to a flyer. Yeah. And we just, we, we had a different way of doing it. So now we hit, the, we hit the socials hard and we try and create value. In those days, we did different things. Yeah, we try to create value in different ways. So we'd make lots of loads of C, CDs with snippets of songs mm-hmm. um, because we knew people didn't have the attention span like they don't have now. So we did like a kind of clip of like verse, chorus, sort of... Yeah, it was like a trailer, wasn't it? Trailers, yeah. I guess, yeah. And just go and just hand them out relentlessly to people. Arrogantly thinking that if he, they heard that 30 seconds, they'd have to. Have to. They'd absolutely have to go and buy the whole thing. But we had to raise attention, I guess, isn't it? Because yeah. it's better than flyers. I still meet people, uh, not very much anymore, but I have met someone that said, oh, you, I had one of your CDs in my house. Like, we did become a bit notorious in the sort of notorious. Camden scene. <laughs> Those CD flyer guys, but we'd go to other people's gigs, wouldn't we? We'd like fly the queue for mm. bands we thought would kind of share, yeah, 
their fans would share kind of our I think taste. that's part of the reason why we kind of did what we did, what we got, what we got to a certain degree, because we did a lot of that work ourselves. We were quite DIY before it was cool to be DIY. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've made a point about saying in a tour, because we were very self-sufficient, because I had a degree in music industry management. <laughs> there you go, put to good use. What did you get? Um, a tutu. Tutu, yeah. Um, and so did Evo, didn't he have one? He had a degree in music industry management. I believe he did, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we so we, we were actually oh, and Jamie did yeah, yeah we were actually quite we were able to put some sort of skill to it we were we were, we were happy enough on our own we didn't need particularly need tour managers really um, so yeah I, I broke this down into a few sections one of them is tour managers but section one is life in the van life, van life. in the van mm. which is a very big part of being on tour. Well, it's really been a nice time, to be honest. Because we were, I don't know if this will come up in a subsection, Maybe. but because we didn't have any money, yeah. we had we weren't staying in hotels or anything. So we, our plan was always on stage, we would ask the audience if, we, if someone would let us sleep in their house. Mm-hmm. And so every night you put it out there and then somebody, luckily... Probably because you were very handsome, Steve. I was. Somebody <laughs> confirm that was emphasis on the was. Uh, somebody would put us up for the night, and we we literally never missed out, did we? We we always, always found somewhere to stay. Always. Somebody was always very kind yeah. and let us. Steve off, often had to take one for the team. Sometimes, sometimes, literally. Uh, but then the problem was all the equipment, all our instruments and our amps and stuff had to stay in the van. So we had a policy of two people. Yep, a rotation. A rotation system where two people would sleep in the van. Mm. And one of my uh, most vivid memories is being in Aberdeen. We just played a really big gig with Electric Six in Aberdeen Musical. I don't know what the capacity was. Thousands. Was at least a thousand. Yeah. And then the glamorous after party... We we put the message out on stage. Can we stay anywhere? And we found like some students staying in student hall, mm-hmm. snowing, absolute blizzard. And I was lying there on the wheel arch, <laughs> sleeping on the wheel arch inside the van, thinking, <laughs> I want to go home, please. Yeah, I remember. I, actually, to be fair, I, I remember looking out of the window of the student halls, lying on a wooden floor <laughs> yeah. with nothing, just a little sleeping bag. <laughs> And never oh, been. so that was inside. Yeah, I was that inside. Same yeah, and I remember looking out, watching you and Evo trudging yeah, through Nick, a Nick to sleep in the van. Yeah, Cut, having to probably cuddle each other for warmth. And I remember yeah. thinking, I've never been so happy in my life to be sleeping on a wooden floor. Yeah, that that was a low moment. Yeah. But at least, at least at that point, we knew the gigs were good. Yeah, it was much worse when you were in that situation when it, you were going to play a gig the next day, and you knew you were, you know, it was likely that there was going to be. Seven people there. But we don't need to get that depressing that soon. Yeah, that's on the list. <laughs> what lowest moment? Yeah. Can you remember the vans we had? Because we had a few different. Because we went again, being self-sufficient, we opted yep. to buy old vans rather than hire out because it was more expensive. It was better. Yep. Budget, we would, better value yeah, for money. we would cut corners wherever we could, which made the vans very unreliable. And yeah. So the first van we had was a little old transit van that we had, we welded seats in the back of it and then that was stolen and burnt out in Leicester <laughs> yep that, that may have been our very first tour I mm-hmm. think it was yeah it was a week of the a week tour in the Midlands <laughs> so so pretty much as glamorous as it got yep and yeah we left the van and 
That well, this is what taught us the lesson to always sleep in the van if we left the equipment in there. Mm-hmm. We parked round the uh, round the corner from my then girlfriend's house uh, in Leicester, and yeah, we woke in the morning. It was the morning England went out of the 2002 World Cup to Brazil. To Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, seamen lobbed yep. from 30 yards, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. We were around the corner, no van. Got a call, you know, reported it to the police, got a call later that day saying, yeah, we found it. Oh, is it okay? It's not okay. Mm. It's been burnt out. The equipment's gone. Yeah. It's disappointing. Yeah, so that was the first van, wasn't it? Yep. Did that one have a name? Burnt out. Uh, I just wrote first van. (laughs) Oh, poetic. Uh, And then we bought a old mini bus and we took the seat out of that one. And that had that had Darren Love Sharon, yeah, in written the across one, across the, the windscreen, yeah. And we had that for a bit of time, and then that van had every window smashed. <laughs> yes, it, in Camden, it, I believe. Yep. Someone came with a sledgehammer, came through and smashed every single window, and the front and the front window. Good van that was. Yeah, it was a good van. <laughs> There's some good times in that van. Uh, yeah. That van probably saw the most action, and when I say action, you know what kind of action yeah. I'm talking about. Mm. None from me. And we had to um, drive it with smashed out windows all the way to Portsmouth, where my dad's factory was, and they um, they riveted sheet metal <laughs> around the side of every yep. window instead of us changing every window because we couldn't afford it. Yeah, so it became like an eighteen van, didn't it? Yeah, That's it was like the eighteen van. Yeah, yep. we changed. Well, I think we paid for the wind, obviously the windscreen to be fixed. And the back windows, and every, every other window, we just riveted sheet metal to it. Yes, and we had we were playing a festival in Bournemouth late that day. Yep, I remember because we had to practice. Mm-hmm. We were practicing at your dad's factory. We were, on tour, we're, again, we were, on tour. we're in the middle of tour, and we practiced in your dad's factory. And there was all those sort of you know, men's men's men. <laughs> Alan, who are these big woolly woofters in the office yep. playing uh, middle of the road indie? Yep. So that found a while. And then that, that, I don't know, I can't remember how that died, but that died somehow. Yeah. Was that the one that had to be started by a... That was the Scottish one, wasn't it? Oh, okay. The... Morag. Morag, yeah. Then we had a van from Scotland. We had to, and Nick and Raf had to drive, uh, fly to Scotland to pick a van up, because it was the cheapest van we could find, <laughs> and then drive it back, and then Nick's ear burst, his eardrum oh, burst. Yeah. The day, and yeah, so we had to cancel again with Hardfy. Hmm. Remember them? Yep. Because his eardrum burst. What was their big hit? Something about the weekend. Something, something for the weekend. Living for the weekend. Du, 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 Living du, for the weekend. Du, du. Yep. Uh, and that van was a transit van, which we turned into a splitter van. And yeah. We had a seat and we had a bed. One little bed at the back, which is also storage for bags. Yep. Yep. And that van lasted us for the three month tour, actually. Yeah. That was the... And then eventually the exhaust fell off that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten a lot of this. Yeah. And then we moved on Popped after it out, that, we moved on to higher vans and transit vans. Yeah. And that was a whole different experience because that was spending life illegally in the back of a pitch black transit van. Oh yeah. So to, me and you at the time couldn't drive. I mean I still can't drive. Mm-hmm. Sorry ladies. Uh Steve couldn't drive either. So we were always in the back in pitch black. Yep. Total Total darkness for sometimes three, four hours at a time. Mm-hmm. It was weird, wasn't it? Well, how did you? So a lot yeah, of time. How did you feel about it at the time. Uh, again, like much thing, many things in life, it depends what mood you're in. If if you're kind of 
if you're excited about the gig you're playing that night, you can kind of get through it on adrenaline and sort of excitement. If the night before we've played a shit gig, mm-hmm. we're going to what you, in your head, is going to be another shit gig, it's a very, very demoralising experience. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it depends on the day. I remember having some, you know, m- massive fun. We used to... There'd be loads of in-jokes that you'd come up with on tour because you spend so much time, well, just that group. Me and you would spend a lot of time just in the pitch black. We'd have, like, um, <laughs> all the equipment... Sure, you want to talk about this? Yeah, all the equipment at one end, and then if anyone break, oh, yeah. breaks, all the equipment oh, would come yeah. crushing we, into you. It was massively, massively unsafe. Yeah, it was. There's those massive orange amps and keyboards in these big flight, flight cases, cases that would often fall... Because let's be honest, the drivers, who the rest of the band who were driving, not the, you know, the varying levels of competency. competence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raph in particular had, you know, a carefree, a laissez-faire <laughs> attitude to driving. To health and safety. <laughs> yeah. Motorway health and safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and because I always remember that in the daytimes we would be muggins and muggins in the back. Come the night time after the gig when everyone's tired, suddenly it was the most desirable bit place. Yeah, to be everyone would be in total darkness lying down. Yeah. In the death trap. Yeah. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Well, that but, was well, always a frustration. Yeah. I found it, um, because I didn't do any of the driving because I couldn't, I saw it as part of my job to keep the driver awake. So post gig, I would often go in the front seat and be on uh, awake duty. chief morale officer for the driver. Yeah. yeah. And music. When you DJ as well. Yeah. And I try, yeah, I try and cater to the driver's taste, mm-hmm. the mix. Do you ever remember being stopped by the police? Hello, my name is Bernard, 2001. You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints, and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk Peace out, mother crushers. Scotland. I feel like we were, yeah, I don't really remember how we got away with it. We, we were stopped a few times. But one of the times that I can remember, we were driving back from some gig somewhere and we had all the equipment piled up high and there was people in the back smoking drugs. Oh, not us, no. obviously. Not us. But... Uh, drugs are bad, Craig. Paul Molyneux, probably. <laughs> that era? Yeah. Wasn't it, he didn't go to Scotland, did it? Wasn't that Scotland? Someone was in there and no, the police stopped us because there had been a spate of burglaries around. Yes, it? I feel like that was in Scotland, somewhere like proper, like Fort William kind mm. of the type around there mm. really like proper we had to hide. in the sticks I know that's a different time yeah we had to hide in the back of the van because we were again sitting illegally yeah yeah rock and roll let's all have a pair about we eventually we graduated to posh vans what was yes like that was a different experience <laughs> yeah. in comfort in a nice van in a way DVD players and stuff yeah 
We had Dog Tanyon, didn't we? We often would watch Dog Tanyon yeah. on tour, which was an 80s cartoon. In case you younger, if anyone young is listening, mm. imagine you are. Uh, that, yeah, you were in more comfort, but for some reason, I associate that with it, it kind of lost its charm. Maybe it was where the band was at that point, that it felt like it was... All over, even Slip, though we were, we're away. having bigger, nicer vans. We were having bigger vans, but I felt like nicer. the audiences were smaller. <laughs> mm. I might have misremembered that, yeah. but I don't particularly remember. You don't, have, you don't have nice feelings about nice vans, then you have better feelings about the shitty ones we had. Yeah, I think so, because when we were younger, and you feel kind of invincible, don't you? And you, it didn't really. Even we were sleeping in like minus ten in a blizzard in on a metal, the floor of a metal van, mm. no carpet on a wheel arch. But I didn't, you know, although looking back, <laughs> that's mental, I don't think it bothered me. It was only bad when you got ill. Like, we used to get, uh, you know, your physical health would really suffer. That section I've got called dealing with health. <laughs> right, you can go okay. that if you want. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So, health was obviously an issue, was a bit of an issue up and down because you were exhausted. So how did you, what did you do to try not to break down? Or did you not think about it? I don't think it's a good thing. I think it's when you sort of... I tend, in in general life, to... That's when I get ill, is when I let my guard down. And, you know, if you just keep going, even with, like, work, mm-hmm. if you start start feel a bit kind of worse for wear, I, you just power through it, which is probably the wrong attitude to have. Uh, you power through it and you keep going. It's not until you kind of rest, rest up and go, right, I've got to take a break. That's when I tend to get ill. So I think it was just... I mean, we didn't cancel a gig. Certainly, no. on, there was the three months till when we got very, very... Ill. Had horrible, horrible bugs. And we just... Couldn't keep anything down. But we didn't cancel any gigs. It was just we, like, did, we did one gig, didn't we, where we, you, you didn't sing. You, you had to stay at home. And we went out and played in rugby. Yeah. I mean, that was when... And we bodged it together with, like, different harmonies. And we just tried to figure that one out. Yeah. That was a different tour. There was the three month, the, the longest yeah. tour we went on where we didn't cancel the gig. When even though me and you both got pretty sick, proper sick. Yeah. There were times when my voice went, but I think it was just yeah, it was just power on through. You, did, you didn't actually have any tricks to kind of survive. No, you just no, like boobs. there was there was yeah, you just yeah, probably in the boobs evenings in the you start to get adrenaline definitely because I was I was still very early days of being the, the singer. And so you would, yeah, you would power through on adrenaline. There were there were gigs where I was going on stage thinking, "There's a seventy percent chance here I could shit myself live on stage, and there's a ninety percent chance that my voice won't hold up." Mm-hmm. But two, you know, I'm not going to say it always did, but I didn't shit myself <laughs> on stage, and my voice. I mean, sometimes there were bits where I would normally sing full voice, so I might have to go falsetto mm-hmm. or whatever. So I couldn't. You know, but you just you just so, well, do, do you your think best. It felt like to me that on tour with health, it was everyone went through their own specific journeys. Yeah. So you always had someone on a on a low, yeah. And someone on a high, and the people That's on the true. high would drag through the mediocre people, and the people <laughs> on the low were left to their own devices because we all had lows at different times. Yeah, and you knew just to, they were not going to join in any of the fun stuff. You have to let them the good times, come back to the good the bad times. The, one. <laughs> the bad times one. It was often the bad times one. Yeah. And that was just part of the journey, isn't it? That you yeah. kind of, you have to kind of learn each other, read each other uh, as music, as people, as friends. You'd learn to read each other's signals. Yeah, and that's again, that's a good technique for life. Is like knowing when. Sometimes people do need an arm around them and a kind of 
you're right, mate. Sometimes people just want to be left, want and need to be left alone. That's when you'd, when Eva was in a moody and someone was smacking around the back of their head. <laughs> you soon learn that's probably not, probably not the best way to get through. Don't wake the bear. Do yeah. Don't wake the bear. Yeah. No, never wake the bear. But yeah, you learn, and, and being in such such close proximity, mm. you know how to push people's buttons and you know when not to. You know, and some people it was fun to kind of push mm. it. But it was different but, for us because we. We were the only two that drank every single night because the other guys would always, one of them would have to drive at some point. Yeah. So there's always a time where someone had to stay sober. And the sober, And it was sober, never us. It was never us. But the sober times are always the... Um, the low times. The low times for the perfect ones. Yeah, because always, you feel so left out and kind of... It's amazing how booze can do that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I admire anybody who has the, the courage... I mean, they didn't have a choice; they had to drive. But anyone who, for whatever reason, decides to not drink and, and can stand up to peer pressure, mm-hmm. it's, it's admirable. Because I've I've never been able to do it to this day, and I'm not a young man. How did you? How did I? How did one? How does one keep clean? <laughs> because if you have, if you're not staying at hotels, which we were not, that was well, yeah, keep a half decent hygiene, or did we not? Or did you reckon we stunk? I think we probably did stink to a degree. We, I guess we would always shower whenever we could, which was usually whoever would let us stay around their house would also give us the run of their... Their facilities. Their facilities. It, it wasn't a like, you can live on my floor, but you can't use my shower. I don't think we had ever met anyone like that. And everyone was pretty accommodating. We should, I mean, we were probably not as grateful as we should have been. We took it for granted, really, didn't we? Because yeah, the, all these people... We staying around people's houses quite yeah, regularly. If you think about it now... If you were at a gig and somebody said, "Can I stay under your house?" There's no it's fucking young way. people, though, isn't it? Well, like it, is, it, it was always young people and friends and students. Yeah, because we had a lot but, at the time. We had a lot of student mates, didn't we? At uni. But the amazing thing was, then, then when we went back to these places, because we would often tour the same places, they would let you know. Yeah. Then we had all these bases around the country. We, we created a network. We had, a, yeah, we did like a touring network. So at pretty much every big city, we had some, a group of friends who we would go and stay with. And what was good was that it was a guarantee of at least five people at the gig and you had somewhere to stay and it was great and we became close friends with those people one of the things that was like quite difficult actually about that was where you didn't have a hotel or anything really well, obviously money was good saving money which is the reason why we did it but it was fucking tiring yeah I was exhausting we were going out every single night and, and then every single time we'd go to someone's house and they were all excited to see you and so they were well up for a party. Yeah, and so you Us had to go. Hand, were absolutely freaking exhausted and yeah. probably could have done without it. But you'd have to party every single night as well to whatever time in the morning. And then again, you get up in the morning, nine, ten o'clock, drive for four hours, five hours. Well, that's it. like we were saying with lockdown. That was our normal. Yeah. That that became that became our routine. You'd, you'd wake up with a hangover. You'd get in the van somewhere, have like an hour's sleep in the van, half awake, half asleep, yeah. turn up somewhere, load into the next place, start drinking. What was your most chilling memory of staying at people's houses or places or without naming names? Can you remember any situations where you were like, this is a bit much? Like a Jed from uh, Alan Partridge. Yeah. I've got all. I love your work, Alan. I feel I can remember. I'll level with you, Jed. I'm really scared. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can. I can't. No. I, I, Matt, you might have been there one of these times, but I'm pretty sure you were. Remember with a popular Radio 1 DJ now? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he was a student <laughs> and he was... Well, he took a quite took a shine, shine to you, didn't yeah. he? Was it me or was it you, Matt? No, it was you. So you, you disappeared. You disappeared with... You came back out of the toilet wearing makeup <laughs> with said DJ. Yeah. Someone is he? More chilling for us than for you. Yeah. Someone's still working, to my knowledge, on Radio One. Yep. And but he, he wants to take me to the toilet and cut my hair. Is that what? Is that, is that what you, that you call the, it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a chilling moment. What about the time that someone was so excited they get so pissed and then piss themselves <laughs> and then try to start fights in the house and then cook to throw up and, and then tried to beat piss. us all up. Yeah. Was it housemates? Yeah, I think it's housemates. Yeah, and then in the morning, in his pissy pants, wanted to cook us a fry up. Well, we shouldn't. Well, he's names. yeah, good because he's a avid listener of the podcast, so yeah. <laughs> and close friend, so certainly wouldn't. But he's done a lot of growing, <laughs> a lot of growing up since then. <laughs> but I, I remember that so clearly, and like the first yeah. time, none of us wanted to have a fry up in the morning. Yeah, that's true. Did you have any of it? No. I think I might have had to politely had a had a sausage. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, how much of a people pleaser I am. Yeah. I even eat a piss-stained sausage. Mm. Well, it was the time that I shit my pants on our manager's sofa. Oh yeah. Because I was ill. Well, that was that, the illness. Yeah, that was the bug. That was the bug I was talking about. You got that, and then I caught that bug. Yeah. Off you, and you could hear me. I sat outside. I was sitting outside the van on the floor, like being sick into the curve outside the Dublin Castle. In Camden, yeah. In Camden. And then we had to go back to her, ha- her house and then... No, it was a shame. That was, was a really good like gig. Sh- I say shit myself. I sharted, I guess. <laughs> it's a very distinct uh, uh, difference there. Do Needs you th- to be pointed out. Do you think it was worth it, going through <laughs> those pains for the gigs and stuff? Uh, well, from a professional point of view, definitely not. But from a kind of... I don't want to say spiritual, but from a social point of view, from a personal development point of view, I think it's definitely part made me who I am now. Like just me, you know. The one thing I always say to people is that we saw parts of England, the British Isles, that we never would have seen, like cities, towns of England and Scotland that we never would have seen were it not for that hull. Yeah. <laughs> Barnsley. Have you got a favourite place? With us. Uh, not the gig, well, but it's just the place. A place to visit. Mm, well, the Scot the Scotland parts for me were always the gigs were always good because the people just knew how to have a good time. But also the like just the scenery. It felt it, it was it felt special, didn't it? When it you, really like, did. Like Ullapool like, and Fort William and Inverness. The Orkney Islands. We're playing places like that. We were kind of going off the beaten track a little bit, and people really appreciate that. And so they they would they give you a really good reception, treated you like. I mean, we were kind of treated, especially the Orkney Islands. It was, you know, autographs and well, that was, celebrity treatment. Yeah, that was like on the ferry, wasn't it? They were like because they never yeah. the bands never very rarely go that high up. Yeah, and it was just stunning scenery. It's like I I love to go there up there again. Mm. I would, like if I had time and money. I'd, I'd go for a sort of mini break up there because it's, it's so beautiful and so that made it different like when you're looking out the window from the tour bus just you know it's just seeing all that the mountains and the lakes and stunning yeah well, so, what about the other, the other side of the coin shitholes <coughs> well I did name check Hull there but 
I don't think we I've ever had... Well, I jumped into my mind. Yeah, we never that had a good gig that... there, and it, it just... Yeah, not, it didn't get good vibes. I think we got we were getting threat... Threatened. I remember a gig where we were getting threatened by some coked-up... Some coked-up ruffians. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was, that was unsavoury. And I think everyone, everyone there was... Everyone was there to see this other band, weren't they? In the can't really remember. I think their their fans got all coked up and didn't particularly enjoy our set. I think we might have got heckled that night, <laughs> which I wasn't great at dealing with. Don't like the criticism, of me. No, well, don't blame you. But yeah, I was going to make a point about the people who let us stay at their houses. Well, no, yeah, number one, I, yeah, I don't think we're grateful enough for those people. Mm. But B, yeah, I think it speaks to our personality and how nice we were that people let us and then let us stay the next time I think that's important to say if you go around as like this arrogant bunch of weird fucking rock stars I don't think you'd have been able to experience the tour in the way we did no so what I'm saying is we're great guys (laughs) (laughs) just to sum up it's true did you find it important to go home like during a tour or did you find it difficult yeah, it's important for because I just got married. I remember it, we must have gone off on tour pretty much soon because the single came out pretty much soon mm-hmm. after I got married. And so I think it was honeymoon, then you're off on tour for three months. So it was hard on my wife again, which I didn't appreciate at the time. Uh, but so then when we would go back to London where we lived, yeah, it was hard because then you want to you want to give more time up to your family or whatever and you then you get a little taste losing, of home comforts and you'd lose your way because you yeah, get into a groove of being exa- on tour exactly well, if you don't see them you can kind of compartmentalise it and you just stay in tour mode so it, well, it was actually harder going home it would have been better to probably not bother but you've got to think of others sometimes because mm. I was always the only one that didn't have a significant other that's so true I'd always have to sleep in the van yeah you got whenever we'd go back to London where we all lived Steve got, very much got stitched up and had to sleep in the van. Sometimes, straight after we'd been threatened by... <laughs> Do you remember that time? We, yeah. There were some local... Hoodlums. Hoodlums. <laughs> Basically, we parked the van, we got out of the van, and they, they were saying, oh, where are you from? Like, it was kind of some kind of gangland yeah. turf thing. Which side, of the, which side <laughs> of the road did you live in on Camden? Yeah, like, I got the impression if we'd said the wrong thing, we would have been knifed. Mm. Or at the very least, punched. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and then, Would you have me so we walked. Well, yeah, good question. This week's phone in. Uh, so, like half an hour after that, you have to go back yeah. to where those guys still could have been oh, to yeah. sleep in the van. Yeah. But often you'd take a lady back, wouldn't you? Huh? No, I just, we what just had the old porno. Like oh, yeah. yeah. That was, all that was kind of the uh, one of the. Anyone who would come into the tour van had to go and buy a porn mag. That was part mm-hmm. of the. Uh, what's the word? Initiation. Tour manager initiation. Finishing a tour. <laughs> Speaking of finishing. Yep. Yeah. How did you find it at the end? Did you find it difficult to get going back, back into normal, normal life? life? Yes, because like anything that you that you get into a routine, it becomes yeah becomes your reality. Like this is all tying into to lockdown vibes. Then you come out of that, and then it's a novelty again having a shower every morning. Uh, but uh, you and you miss. You miss your friends, like because that's the, let's face it, the best part of the touring was you're basically spending all day. It's kind of like why people miss school and why people say that school days are the best times in life because you're with your friends all day. Mm. Like that's amazing. So many people don't get to experience that. You're with your, your closest friends, 
I mean, if you're in a band with people you hate, it's probably torture. But, yeah, for us, we were all very close and got on. And so you're there with your friends. And then, then you go back to... <laughs> not to sleep with your partner. <laughs> but that's a diff- it's a different dynamic, isn't it? You know, you know, that's obviously you're living with your loved one, but it's not the same. It's not the kind of in-jokes in there. I mean, you do have in-jokes with your partner, but not to the same... It's, di- it's basically different. But then you go and get used to that, and then going back out on tour again is hard. Did you have, did you have mental health challenges? <sighs> yeah. I, I don't remember really struggling. I, I've, I've always been quite a kind of positive person, and I don't take things to life too seriously, and I think that's what keeps me, mm-hmm. keeps me level-headed. You, more of a warrior and a... Yeah, I can't remember if I felt bad after tours or not, or you just get on with it. I can't remember. Don't remember being. I know Evo was really low after tours. Like I remember him when things were really going getting difficult. I remember him telling, saying about it. The drummer in our band, like his wife was saying, that he was being a pain in the ass. I think it's probably yeah because of that what I was just saying. But he missed that kind of yeah. the camaraderie, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 kind of difficult when you have to go back to get a, your job or you, you're holding down pretty mere jobs aren't you because you spend so much time away yeah and well that's it and you you get in the music is your sole focus that's why you're there and then going back to normal life in inverted commas mm-hmm. where you're not thinking about music well I mean you probably are thinking about music do you music, think it's weird that you in a normal day to day your job is eight hours of a day when you're doing on tour you're basically your whole day is focused towards an hour yeah, of the day. it's all geared towards that. truly when you're really working. Obviously, yeah. when you're sound checking, and then it's yeah. a different. It's a really weird way of life. You spend your, most of your day in a kind of weird fog, a hazy, tired fog, and then suddenly it's like action stations. Yeah, then everything you're geared towards is just in this intense hour. Yeah, and then I mean, it should be intense if you're doing it right. You yeah. should. That's what when I get, you know, I, I want to see bands who look, you know, they're playing that gig like it's their last like they're you can see the passion you, you know you want sometimes you see a band you look like they, they you can tell they don't even really want to be there or they're you get that impression yeah all the time i think i was probably there sometimes like they're yeah, phoning like it in gigs you're just like half-heartedly doing it because you don't you're just going through the motions yeah and you can you can you sense that as an audience member i think you can so well because you can do playing. it yeah you can do it on autopilot basically yeah. and that's when yeah that's when something's gone Something's going Something's wrong. Something's gone wrong, yeah. Can you remember a, one gig, like, you, to just kind of finish, wrap it up slowly and move on, um, a favourite gig and a worst gig? Uh, on tours? Well, it's more like gigs than tours. The worst gigs, easier. A bit too... <laughs> well, I always go... But there was a gig... There was such a contrast. There was a gig where in Newcastle where it was the last gig of a... The tour that I'd mentioned that we did with the Electric Six, so we were playing to sort of thousands, you know, literally thousands of people every mm-hmm. night that week. It was like maybe a week, a fortnight, or whatever. And the gigs were just amazing, and it was the last one, and it had gone really well. And I remember m- there was two twin <laughs> twin girls on the uh, on the front row, and like we were leaving the stage, and they were, you know, saying nice things. To us, us specifically, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what sticks in the memory. 
and it was amazing and we were like this is this is a life and then we we were going back to London to record our video going back to London to record a video and it all felt like it was happening and then so that was an amazing gig but then the experience of actually getting home was the flip side of it because the van broke down and one of us was really ill Nick mm-hmm. Nick was really yeah. ill wasn't he yeah on the way back was puking and yeah <laughs> so that that kind of that one gig kind of crystallises everything that's good and bad about yeah. all about in one tour. go wasn't yeah. it yeah right it's true what about you? Uh, I probably would have said that. I mean, I said before in another podcast, my best two weeks of my life was when we went on tour with Dogs Die and Hot Cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just the whole thing was like really good. Um, it's just really good fun. You know, you're going to play good gigs, um, hanging out, having a laugh. It wasn't that didn't feel like that much pressure. Yeah, we that was one of those tours. We didn't have a single out or anything, did we? Didn't we have anything just... out to promote. We just went on tour. Yeah, it was just fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was ace. Especially when you when you're a support band, you go on tour and you build a relationship with the the headline act. That's really nice because there were often times where we didn't have any relationship with the headline band, but that was it. Felt like we had, there was a real bond there. Do you that's one? because you, you put it up over time. If you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they, it was, it's always a bit standoffish at first, but then they realise you're not knobheads, and they you know, yeah, and then you got to a friendship stage. Not that we've seen them particularly recently, but. For a while there, we were friends. <laughs> uh, so I want to move on, if that's all right. Yes, that's fine. We've been talking for a while. Um, to um, a new regular feature in the show, I like to call Band for Life. So we're going to ask Matt, actually, to come on to the podcast, because we're in the warehouse, um, waiting for him. Matt. Uh, so we're in the warehouse, and Matt's here. Well, Matt's never done this before, so we're going to get him to come on. Um, you can sit here if you want. This isn't a new feature, though, is it? This is <laughs> just copy down the partridge. <laughs> oh, okay. It's very much a regular feature. Hello. Look, it's Matt, everybody. Matt Hurdle. So, Band for Life, yes. slash Band for Life, mm-hmm. you'll know it, you'll love it. You're aware of the concept, right? Yeah. Could you explain it to the, uh, the listeners? I have to choose yep. one band for life uh, who I wouldn't want to give up and want to have them for the rest of my life, always be there. That's and right. then one band I want to ban, I want to have them banned for life. That's correct. Explanation. Yeah, you would happily erase them from existence, never hear their music again. Mm-hmm. They're not being erased as people. Yeah, they'll still be, but they just you, they won't have uh-huh. made any music. Okay, so tell us the two bands and or artists. What do you want first? No, t- no, tell us both, and I'll see if I can guess. Oh, which is which? Is it going to? You're looking. I'm pretty trouble. One might make you raise an eyebrow. Okay. Uh, so, Muse and Radiohead. Oh, mm-hmm. well, this is easy, but yeah, that, I have raised an eyebrow because uh-huh. I thought you were, your band for life is Radiohead because I know, like me, you believe them to be the greatest band of all time. Mm-hmm. 
And, and well, I'm not saying anyone who disagrees is a moron, but <laughs> you just, you've, I've heard <laughs> you say that. Many times. <laughs> I say that all the time. Yeah. It's fact. Uh, yeah. Well, let's. So I know it's that way round. You would ban Muse. You would erase yeah. Muse's. I'm just back very disappointed. Well, well, I mean, you only asked me when you started the podcast to, <laughs> yeah. to, do, to do this. So mm. this is perhaps not the I can't, best I can't I could have come up with. But I can't agree with you. Obviously, I mean, people who know me obviously know that. Uh, cut me up, lead Radiohead. I won't stop banging on about them. And that's been the way since I was about 14 years old. And they've always been there for me. And I think one of the things for them is that they have evolved so much. Like a lot of bands haven't, and bands generally struggle to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Radiohead's first album is pretty crap, but the, the most recent one, I think, is very. As good as anything. as good as anything that they've yeah. ever done. Whereas Muse, I was a big fan of theirs growing up as a teenager especially first three albums first three albums yeah Wicked yeah. really good and they're just ridiculous I don't know if you've ever seen any of their live videos that they do at the moment they're not concerts, recently just cr- crazy amount of pyrotechnics and pyrotechnics actors and big machines yeah. like it's absolutely nothing really. it's gone spinal tap hasn't it yeah it's, honestly it has, it's yeah. self parody Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I'm not surprised by Muse because I remember you as a younger man playing, mm. like learning all the Muse riffs in the guitar. Plugin Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more. Well, disappoint- that, yeah, that's when they were good. More disappoint. Um, this is this is my opportunity to kind of get one back at them and say I'm mad at you guys. Yeah. So I'm going to ban you so for life. Praise of existence. Uh, yeah. Praise all of their early work as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's I'm, the sacrifice I'm, he's prepared to make. That's how disappointed exactly. he is. Yeah. I agree. I think because I've been saying this for years. If if Muse came out and did a really kind of stripped down, just showed off the songwriting and like his voice or whatever, mm. like I'm not. It doesn't have to be acoustic, but just kind of take, took away all the f- fucking whistles and bells yeah. and did a really kind of honest record mm-hmm. that isn't about the end of the world. It's about you know has a human element to it. Yeah, I'd, I'd really give that a go, and I think it could be really good because some of those early songs would. They're the, they're the the best example of sailing out I could possibly think of. Mm. If you, you you know take a look at any of their most recent live you shows, mean, they had like a delusion of that, way, didn't they? Not delusions of grandeur, but they always had that kind of trajectory. Yeah, if you look yeah. back, at it was always built for stadiums. The things that it? they were singing about it hasn't really changed. changed. No, and that's part of the problem, I guess. When I, I suppose when being a teenager. It's easier to get on board with the end of the world. And yeah, the angst, of, angsty team. Yeah, stuff. oh yeah, that but, really appealed to me. Yeah, and I, I guess some people only have kind of one idea, and but that's that, got to be rehashed over. But if you over. think about it, that like Muse when they first started, everyone was just like, "Oh, they're a second-rate Radiohead," mm-hmm. and it, to see them as a kind of parallel of what Radiohead, mm-hmm. how they evolved and kind of realised that they had to reinvent the wheel with like mm-hmm. Kid A or whatever to you know rip up the rule book. And Muse just stayed on the exact same trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like, it just got bigger and more ridiculous, but yeah. it's essentially the same. I'm sure they're making a shitload of money, though. Oh, yeah. But uh, it would be... But is he happy? Yeah. Mm. Get him on the podcast. Yeah. He's I'm definitely going to come on after this. They're taking a beat of Muse, aren't they? I feel they got a bit of Well, they, we hammered them last week as well, yeah, but that's the thing. I think, and I think Matt's right. They can do so much better. Mm. They have done. Could do better. Could do better. Okay. But I mean, better is obviously a subjective thing. Some and people rave about those live shows. Some people love all the pyrotechnics. I, I, uh, are you saying they're stupid? I saw them a bunch of times uh, in the early days, and and they were silly then. Yeah, they always would do something. Well, some gimmick. Steve saw them in Colchester with sparkly trousers on, didn't you? Sorry, 
what? He, he, Matt Bellamy was wearing sparkly trousers. Oh, not Steve. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they always have done wacky stuff in their live shows. So I'm not. I guess I'm more just yeah, disappointed that they haven't evolved into yeah. a more mature. I like, haven't matured with their sound and no. No, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to get somebody on who's pro muse mm-hmm. to defend them because I feel like the kids been a... like them now. Are they popular with young younger crowd now? Or yes, they're the guy, the bass player out of Pajama Party who played in our shop the other week. He's a big muse guy. Yeah, modern muse. He played me. I said, "Well, what's a good, relatively new muse track?" And he played me one. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you what I thought, <laughs> but we should get someone on who's pro muse. But I think that's, yeah, that we should wrap up. Thank Great. you, Matt. You're welcome. Finish off, if you want. Fin- yeah, Matt, can you finish me off? <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> uh, sorry. sorry, a lot of wanking jokes. But, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. end of the podcast. So uh, we should talk about the what we're getting on with. The Obviously, you can download the podcast at all your podcast providers if you're watching on Facebook Live. Just type in Failed Rock, rock Star Club. Anywhere who does podcasts, you'll find it. Spotify, it's on. That's where I go for it. Uh, you can still buy stuff from us. We're still selling online, so on ASOS Marketplace. But the best thing to do is to go to bestdaysvintage.co.uk, and that either sends you to our ASOS boutique, or you can buy our rework stuff from there, or you can buy our Feld Rockstar Club merch from there. What What's else? Uh, the socials, subscribe and all that malarkey. Yes. People have been switched off by now, anyway. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> But yeah, do stay tuned to our social medias. We're on all the big ones Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Snapchat. Do you still do anything on Snapchat? Mm-hmm. Of course he does. Uh, yeah, just talk, again, Best Days Vintage. You're probably already following us on there. But that's us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Speak to you next week. Love you. Bye. <laughs>